Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Uh, we'll play some of the Joe Witt Jr., some of the stuff that I liked from his presser yesterday uh, coming up in about 20 minutes. Also, if you miss Dan Quinn, the head coach of the team, he was on with us earlier in the show, pretty much uh, at the beginning of the show. We will play that back at the end of this hour for you if you missed it. Joining us now, as he does every Friday in this spot, our Washington Commanders insider, Ben Standing. Of course, he writes for The Athletic. Subscribe, people. It's totally worth it. Follow Ben on Twitter, on X, at Ben Standing. And listen to his podcast. It's a good one. It's called Standing Room Only. So, you know, we've gotten to this point, you know, a, a month ago, basically, we didn't have a general manager, we didn't have a head coach, we didn't have coordinators, we didn't have a staff. All of that is now done, so it's almost like if you're looking at it in three phases, phase one, the GM, all the hirings, phase two being free agency, phase three being the draft, we're done with phase one. For somebody who wasn't paying attention to it, how would you describe it? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was a uh, an efficient journey. I know it probably may not felt that way during the Ben Johnson drama of it all, but you know, I, I think as best I can tell, you know, the group came in and, uh, you know, the, look, uh, Josh Harris has been, has been an owner before, but he has not been an NFL owner. He's having to navigate these waters, you know, and, and bring people along uh, to help him do it. You know, I think it feels like people forgot during the coaching search that a couple things happened. One, the, the hiring of Bob Myers, who's, you know, one of the most respected executives to come out of the NBA and, that showed to me not only some outside the box thinking, but a willingness to get, you know, opinions, you know, beyond his own, right? Two, they bring in the guy who was viewed as the number one GM candidate this whole cycle and Adam Peters. Um, whether Dan Quinn was the first choice, second choice, whatever, he is somebody that has been, you know, very respected around the league. He did already take one team to a Super Bowl. And obviously the last three years as Dallas as defensive coordinator, the Cowboys were one of the best uh, units in the league. And then, you know, the rest of the staff, you know, we'll see on the surface. I mean, I think it's pretty interesting. The, the Cliff Kingsbury hire as OC is, I think, going to be the you know one to watch. I think that's one that people, it's a bit polarizing. And the rest of it, look, look I personally like the mix. You know, we're not going to be calling this group the uh, – command boys or whatever. <laughs> it's not going to be the commanders. This is the very opposite of what they did with Ron Rivera's first half where he brought in everybody from Carolina here. Certainly Quinn has familiar faces for him, but a lot of people from a lot of different teams, systems, whatever. So it seems to be like a pretty efficient uh, work they did. 
how it works. Obviously, that's the big unknown. We won't know for for some time. But you know, I, I think overall, it seems like they um, had a plan and uh, were able to execute it for the most part. What did you think of Kingsbury yesterday? Um, you know, I mean, he didn't like in terms of like talking with us. You know, I don't think he said a ton. You know, he is a former. Uh, head coach, right? So he has done these press conferences many times, um, you know, not just the head coach in the NFL, but college too. So he is well-versed on how to say, how to talk without saying much. And that was kind of how I thought, but, um, you know, look, it's going to come down to, you know, what type of, uh, you know, system he, he, he really, you know, puts into play for this team, what they do at quarterback and how he helps develop that player. But I, I, I don't know. Did you, I didn't get like too many takeaways out of that. I don't know if you did. Um, I think that, I mean, he's clearly a guy that I think it, you could tell he's not going to want to do a lot of these. He'll do the, the mandatory stuff and that's it. He's thrilled to be back in fell with another chance based on what he's learned, but to be able to focus just on the offense. And I think one of the things, let me just, let me mention this. I've talked to various people who know him a little bit from media that do a lot of college football stuff. The The thought in the, in the industry, uh, coaches-wise and otherwise, about Cliff Kingsbury is super, super high acumen. Like, there's a reason this guy keeps getting these opportunities. People are blown away with how smart and how offensively innovative – he is. I think one of the things that he said yesterday about how having to always evolve, defenses are always trying to, you know, adjust to whatever it is. And if you're stagnant, you're just never going to succeed. All of us that preferred kind of an offensive head coach, I think you're getting the best of what you wanted in that young offensive head coach, but he doesn't have the responsibilities of being a head coach. That's my takeaway from the Kingsbury presser, but also just this thought in, in talking to a lot of people and why they like Cliff Kingsbury and why clearly Dan Quinn and others. Remember, he had choices here. You know, there was a market for Cliff Kingsbury in this hiring cycle as an OC. Yeah, you know, the, the guy he, he he keeps reminding me of to a certain degree in terms of like perception is uh, Lane Kiffin, who. Uh, yeah, you've you mentioned know, that before. Yep. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's a guy who was like, kept getting jobs, kept getting opportunities, kept getting seemingly better opportunities, even after uh, some struggles. And, you know, look, I mean, maybe it took some time, maybe it's uh, some, uh, a stint with Nick Saban in Alabama, but Lane Kiffin has now, you know, found uh, a good spot for him at uh, Ole Miss, right? And, uh, you know, he's turned them into a legitimate, you know, SEC uh, team, contender, what have you. Um so who knows? I mean, I, 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 one thing, you know, no matter what we all discuss, um, some of them look good, some of them look bad. I, I do like to believe that people, if given the opportunity, will try to improve. I mean, I think one of the struggles, and I don't want to keep picking on the last regime, but I think one of the problems for the last regime was coming out of Carolina and a month later getting hired here. And then bringing back the entire same group, there was no time for reflection. I'm not, I mean, no matter what Ron ever said about it, I mean, Dan Quinn's had several years to consider what it would be. You know, even Cliff Kingsbury now, he got fired by the Cardinals in 2022. 
goes to USC to be a you know a, a, an assistant, but like you know sort of in the in the background of the offensive staff. And now he's coming in. I would like to think that that gives you the opportunity to contemplate what it is that didn't work. What 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 do I need to improve? Where is the game going? And like you said, you know how how do we evolve? And I, you know I, I hope for for his sake, for the team's sake, that he's done some of that. And you know he's going to have plenty of help. I mean he's got two former offensive coordinators now on his staff, and Anthony Lynn, who was also a head coach, and uh, Brian Johnson, who, had, who was the OC for the Eagles last year. You know, they'll have to figure out how to work this out together. But, you know, hopefully he's taken that time to sit there and think, hey, here's why these things didn't work and what we need to do better. And uh, like you said, there's a reason he keeps getting hired. As much as we may look at the some of the re- some of the records and some of the stats and be like, you know, maybe they're not that impressive. But clearly the people who are talking to him are impressed. That's why he keeps getting these jobs. Yeah. Um, we're talking to, of course, Ben Standig. Um, anything that he say about Caleb Williams and the two questions that were asked about Caleb Williams leave you with anything substantial in the way you think he thinks and feels about Caleb Williams? No, nah, not really. Uh, you know, he Me was, neither. you know, we're, we're, you know, Joe Witt Jr. on the defensive side, I assume we'll get to him in a minute. Like, he brought the passion, right? Kingsbury was pretty monotone with his right. answers across the board. Didn't get high, didn't get low. So I did ask about his time at USC you know, what did he kind of, what was his kind of takeaway from that? And then what did he kind of think of Caleb Williams? And he said, Hey, great kid, but nothing much more that, than that. So, you know, obviously we're all going to keep talking about this and, and, and wondering, and it may be a moot point if the bears do nothing, if the bears say, stay put at one and just take them. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it is a fascinating question. How much of that Caleb Williams relationship factored into Washington, you know, really pushing for him. That, that uh, it's a, it's a fun wonder for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is number one now on the list of, you know, things that I think are most interesting to the fan base, and that is what are they going to do with number two? What quarterback are they going to fall in love with? Because everybody now is in the business having either been a college football fan or having access to watch these quarterbacks over and over again through highlight reels and and other means to have an opinion. Much easier to have an opinion on Jaden Daniels or Drake May or Caleb Williams than Ben Johnson, Bobby Slowick, or Mike McDonald. Um at or or even Adam Peters or, you know, Alec Hallaby or, you know, Ian Cunningham, etc. So this is where the focus goes. But we've got free agency before even that starts and Washington's going to enter, you know, the second week of March, which is just, you know, less than a month away now with the most available cap space. And by the way, plenty of positions that are, you know, need positions. Do you have any sense of, first of all, how the decision process will work um, with Peters and Quinn, et cetera? And then how active they'll be, how how aggressive they'll be in free agency. Nah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I don't want to try to even like spin this as like here's what could happen. I mean, like yesterday, even for example, just in terms of the staffing, uh, you know, uh, Kingsbury was asked about Anthony Lynn. What does it mean that he's the run game coordinator and RB coach? And he said, Hey, look, I you know, he's a great coach, all these things, but I don't know yet. It's going to take time. To me, this is how everything's got to be over there, realistically. I mean, Adam Peters, you would imagine, has final say in free agency with a lot of input 
from Dan Quinn. Uh, certainly Peters would have final say in the draft. I guess I shouldn't say final, Peters would have final say in free agency. That's potentially more of a, of a Dan Quinn thing or even some of the coordinators, right? But um, I think they're all still learning each other. And that's, I think, sort of the point when, you know, if you want to look at the advantage of bringing over everybody you worked with previously, it's, you kind of already know where everybody's thoughts are. Everybody kind of understanding what, what, what the mindset is here. They got to figure it all out. You know, Quinn knows Kingsbury. He's admired his work. He's not worked with him before. Right. Um, He knows Joe Witt. So that's a much easier, a much easier deal, but none of them worked with Adam Peters. So they're all going to have to figure this out. And, you know, I think it's a, you know, a fascinating question how how aggressive are they going to be um you know this is an owner who oversaw the process with the 76ers i'm not suggesting they're gonna you know this is uh you know bottom out for a couple of years to acquire a bunch of picks but you know maybe josh harris doesn't feel the need to you know like the way like sort of like david david tepper being very aggressive in carolina the last few years um, to get that going. Maybe he doesn't feel that way. And again, they're in such a good spot with the number two pick. If they do nothing but draft that player, draft a quarterback at two and spend some you know, money on free agency, you know, it'll already give them a pretty good, you know, start to the, to the era, assuming that they, you know, know who you know, they make the right uh, choices there. Uh, so I, I think, I think we still have some time to go, but now that the staff is done, it is moving forward, right? I mean, the combine is is a little over a week away. Things are definitely starting to fly. They've got to make calls on, you know, not just the overall free agents, their own guys, Curtis Samuel, Kendall Fuller, Cam Curl. I say their own guys. I mean Washington's guys. They are not the, the new staff is not connected to them. They are they might as well be anybody's free agent, little right. around Washington's. But at the same point, obviously there's, uh, you know, we we they at least have a feel for how that those players will fit. So well, and they're under contract already. <laughs> they don't have to woo them. Yeah. Right, right. Except for their actual free agents. Um, remember this too, and I've I've reminded people of this before. There is a minimum that you have to spend. It's like eighty nine percent of your cap. You can't just say, ah, we're going to just hold off and we're going to keep all of this money and all of it's going to roll over. What you don't use rolls over, um, but you do have a minimum spend when it comes to the overall. Uh, salary cap. So they'll have to be somewhat active, whether it's signing their own or signing others uh, when free agency begins, given how much cap space they actually have. We're talking, of course, to Ben Standing. So let me shift to Joe Witt Jr. What stood out from his much different press conference? Yeah. Uh, you know, in the, in the media room, um, I'm sitting. My, my my standard seat is in the front row, and so the 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 table where the coach is sitting at is not far away. And uh, you know, we had just done Kingsbury again, more of a quieter conversation. And I was the second person to ask Joe Witt a question, and immediately you were like, "Oh, I got to pay. I got to like, I, I got to wake up here." You could feel the energy coming off him uh, pretty quickly, and he did say some some uh, interesting things. Not not about like. Not too much about the players on on the team, although he you know he said he liked Forbes and Quan Martin, and he spoke highly of John Allen and Deron Payne, but more about you know what he's what his expectations are. He wasn't worried about will it be a four three or a three four or that type of deal, but he was focused on the mindset, the mindset that's going to have these guys, you know, running through the proverbial wall, going to make plays, getting those turnovers. He kept saying, "Ball is life." Uh, yeah. You know, meaning, hey, we got to go get that thing. This is and look, Dallas 
did. That Dallas led the league in turnovers in 21 and 22. Uh, they've been you know, more or less a top 10 or even better than that defense in various metrics the last three years. So, you know, I think the, to me it is going to be really fascinating to see how this new staff works with the secondary in particular because there's obviously guys back there who were, you know, drafted high and, you know, the, the previous staff maybe just didn't get as much out of them. So can this new group do it? But, uh, yeah, I mean, Joe Witt has got, you know, that he's going to be a real, you know, high uh, high energy guy, and Dan Quinn brings that as well. So there's not going to be a lack of uh, motivational speakers, as it were, on the defensive side. And, you know, he's been doing this for a long time. He's not, you know, he's not an old guy, but he's not a kid either. He's been a coach for 18 years. He's been waiting for this opportunity to, to be the D.C. He gets it now. And, uh, you know, I, I clearly he's going to be, I think, for us, Probably the, I, I, well, I don't know if he's a yeller in practice, but I, I, on the surface, I imagine he's going to be a guy that's going to be a fun watch uh, during OTAs and training camp. He actually said something during the press conference, uh, several things that stood out. Um, specific to the personnel, he, you know, they liked Forbes in Dallas and they liked Quan Martin um, in Dallas. But beyond that, what you just said in terms of his opportunity finally coming, he actually said, I felt like I was ready to be a defensive coordinator in 2015. I mean, that's nearly a decade ago at this point, and he didn't get those opportunities over those many years. I thought that that was interesting. It's not like, to be honest with you, I've, I thought about Joe Witt Jr. over the last decade as a defensive coordinator candidate that was being overlooked year in and year out. You know, it's not, it's not a name that, that popped up as often as others. Yeah, I, I certainly didn't have a ton of familiarity with him. Um, and look, this is, uh, you know, unfortunately so much of this game, and we just witnessed it as, as we went through it with uh, the coaching change, so much of this is perception. And the percept, because who, who, who knows what a coordinator or an assistant can do if given the chance to move up to another level. But we go off of the names. Ooh, that guy sounds good. Ooh, this guy was on a good spot. We don't know exactly how they're going to evolve when they when they go up a, a next step. And but because of whatever names are put out there by the media, by you know others, or even if it's just like hey, you know you were on this team that had a lot of success versus somebody who's a really good coach and should be one of these coordinators or coaches, but is on a lesser team that doesn't get as much attention, that hasn't piled up the wins, and therefore they kind of get dragged down accordingly. So, yeah, I mean, well, look, obviously we'll see. He'll get his chance. Uh, it's not surprising that, like, like say, Dan Quinn would believe that uh, a guy he's had now in three different spots is, is somebody he, he, he buys in that he wants to uh, give this opportunity to, but not give it like, you know, hey, let me do you a favor. Give it like, hey, this guy's put in the work. He's done a lot of good stuff. And, again, you look at those takeaway numbers – the secondary numbers, you know, he was Witt was basically in charge of Dallas. The secondary, secondary, yeah. They had not not one but two different players lead the league in interceptions right over the last three years. So you know, there, there's a lot there on that resume, and uh, you know, now he's going to get that chance. All right, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the snow. Forecast just got updated. Even more expected tonight. Maybe more like four to six for much what? of the area. Excited about that. You did, you uh, I'll did talk not run to you. This is unacceptable. I'll talk to you later. Thanks. See ya.
Ben Standing, everybody. Uh, all right, when we come back, there were a couple of things that weren't even necessarily football-specific to the team that Joe Witt Jr. said yesterday that I want to play for you because I thought that they were really, in many ways, profound. Uh, that's next. Kevin Sheehan showed the Team 980 and the Team980.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, One thing I can tell you, like Dan said, it's more about the play style than anything else, okay? We're going to get that right first. And, and one thing that we're going to do, we're going to be a run and hit defense, all right? Uh, we're going to run, and, and, and I just told this to our staff, the defensive staff, we had our first staff meeting. Um, the way that we live is not for everybody, okay? It's not, all right? Because we're going to run and put our bodies on people in a violent manner, all right? And so we're going to get that play style right first. Right. And then the structure of what we do um, don't really don't really doesn't really matter. You know, three, four, four, three. Um, everybody really plays the same coverages to some point. All right. Uh, the structure doesn't matter to me. The main thing that matters to me is are we going to be arriving violently? All right. And we're going to turn the ball over. All right. We're going to make sure we disrupt these quarterbacks. That was Joe Witt Jr. Early uh, in his press conference yesterday. Um, I want to play just a couple of his sound bites that stood out, one in particular that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the upcoming um, team uh, that he'll be the defensive coordinator and play caller uh, for. Um, Turning the ball over is something they did very well in Dallas. We just talked about that with Ben. We've talked about it before. They were number one in takeaways in the first two years with Dan Quinn in Dallas. They were number 13 this year, but overall – you know, most of the advanced defensive numbers, this was a very good defense in Dallas during Dan Quinn and Joe Witt Jr.'s stay. Remember, Joe was with Dan in Atlanta uh, for his final year and then went with him to Dallas after he had been in Green Bay a lot. He talked a lot about Green Bay and his days in Green Bay um, during that press conference. But he was asked about turning the ball over and whether or not that's something that's taught or just, you know, happens sometimes with a little bit of luck uh, on game day. Here's what he said. Well, I mean, you can coach it some. Um, the, the first thing is 
you have to have players that can catch the ball, okay? That's the number one thing, and that might sound simplistic, but that's the truth. Um, once you get quarterbacks playing post-snap, all right, they're making errant throws. Uh, most interceptions aren't, aren't on good thrown balls. They're on tips and overthrows. They're on inside hip throws on outside breakers. Now, when you have those opportunities on those plays, you got to make them. All right, you gotta you gotta bring the ball to life, and you'll hear me talk about this all the time. The ball is life, all right, and so we it's like air, and we gotta have it, we gotta get it. Most drills that you see us on the field will end with some kind of guy catching the ball, picking the ball off off, off a fumble, um, just understanding that how to get the ball out from a punch, a, a rake, or what have you. We're going to attack the ball every kind of way we can in practice, so it translates into the game. You know who can catch the ball? Emmanuel Forbes Jr. can catch the ball. He did it very much so in college. But it's such a such an overly simplistic, as he said, answer. But it's so obvious. And we, we, you know, people will say, "Well, why don't why didn't that team have more turnovers?" Well, they had a chance for like three of them, but they had guys that just didn't catch the ball. It seems like we've had guys that haven't been able to catch the ball. Going back to Carlos Rogers when he had bad vision before he got LASIK. Um, this was Joe Witt Jr., and I, th- I think a very honest moment, um, and, I, and I wrote this down because I thought it was a very interesting uh, take that he had on coaching in particular and you know how he tries to develop players that may be not getting the scheme but are talented. Here's what he said. Well, if they're struggling, um, that's our fault, okay? Um, so – um, as coaches, we we take this, the the brunt of the uh, the learning to make sure that once they go out there, they're playing fast. So um, I'm dyslexic, okay. So I I always talk about um, coaching the creative learner, and and if a guy struggles to learn at times, that is our job to make sure that we teach them in many different facets and many different ways, so that that guy can get it. All right, that's our job. That's what they pay us. What they pay us. They don't pay us all this money just to, to go in there and, and put it up on the board. And if certain guys can't get it, no, it's your job to make sure they can get it. And if a coach um, sits there and says he can't learn, he probably can't coach. Okay, so um, we'll, we'll get these guys to understand what we want them to do and do it in a a, a, a very good manner. I love that answer. That last part of it. Um, if a coach sits there and says he can't learn, he probably can't coach. Look, there are, I am sure, plenty of instances where, you know, you try every single possible way, but the actual player isn't interested in learning. But the larger point here is that the best coaches adapt to the audience, and everybody learns and processes differently. He admitted that he's dyslexic. He learned in a different way. You've got to be creative as a teacher or a coach. It takes time. It's hard to do at all levels of coaching, trust me. But I loved that answer because how many times, whether it's publicly more often than not, it's you know off the record, will a coach blame the player? You know, it's the player. Cooley told me this a long time ago because Chris is a different kind of learner. Um, He, you know, is incredibly bright, innately, highly intelligent, but he learns differently. And I remember him saying about the Shanahan coaching staff and then the coaches that came afterwards that there are certain coaches that were on that staff that understood you had to teach differently 
to players not that not everybody sat there and could take it the way you were delivering it and understand it. And if they couldn't understand it, it wasn't going to translate on game day. And it's worth it. It's worth investing that time when the player has talent. Um, I just thought that that was a really. Um, it's it's not it's not that it's super obvious or super not obvious. It's somewhere in between. You just don't hear coaches kind of understand that and talk about it as much. Um, lastly, this was him back to, you know, catching the football. He was asked specifically about the two young players drafted in the first two rounds. Uh, Forbes in particular, this is what he said. You know, I really liked Forbes when he came out. And um, and not only Forbes, I like Quan. You know, they have a number of guys on that back end that really, really are intriguing. And the thing that we have to do, um, that's why we brought Jason Simmons in and, and Tommy Donatell uh, to get those guys in and to believe in the, the, the techniques that we're going to teach them and, and the um, scheme that we're going to put them in. But we have um, quality that was cut off a little bit here. there at the end and at the um, beginning. But at the beginning, he said, with. I really liked Forbes when he came out. Uh, and not only Forbes, I like Quan. Um, so, again, back to an earlier conversation today. I bet you there are more players on this roster, even maybe some who didn't get that much playing time, that these coaches believe they can get a lot more out of. Uh, we shall see. All right, if you miss Dan Quinn, the head coach of the Commanders, he was on with us at the very beginning of the show. We're going to play it back for you when we come back. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and the com. No Wizards tonight. They're off until next Thursday. NBA All-Star Weekend festivities begin tonight. You'll be able to see Bilal Koulibaly in tonight's Rising Star Challenge. He's a member of Pau Gasol's team. That event tips off at 9 p.m. Caps in action on Saturday. They're on the road against the Canadians. Alex Ovechkin looking to extend his six-game goal streak to seven. It would be tied for the longest of any player, 38 or older. Terps in action against number 14, Illinois. Team Maryland beat already this season. That'll be on Saturday. Tip off at 530 can hear it right here on the Team 980. And tonight, you'll be able to hear Georgetown in action against Villanova. That begins at 7. And that's what's trending. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's nice to welcome, courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline, the new head coach in town, Dan Quinn. Coach, thanks so much for doing this. Welcome to town. Are you settled in yet? Kevin, well, one first, thanks for having me on the show. And, uh, yeah, I'd say I'm, I'm getting settled in. Um, you know, kind of the first order of business is, uh, you know, connecting and staff and, you know, finding the right spots for the right people. And so that process uh, went really strongly. And so uh, now, it's, you know, you kind of switch gears into – 
you know, personnel and the evaluation of the team and, you know, getting into some of the things you need to, you know, put into the right spots. But, yeah, man, it's been a blast to get, you know, connected with new coaches and uh, the energy that goes along with, with building something together. What about the personal part? I was looking at your resume the other day. If my math is right, this is the 12th move either the 11th or 12th move since you left the Great Eastern Shore and Salisbury University. Um, does the life of a coach where you're always picking up and moving ever get old, or are you one of those that loves the adventure? Uh, good question, Kevin. I would say a little bit of both. Um, the hard part of uh, a moving is obviously like there's connections and people that you you know really enjoy you know spending the time with, and generally you always keep up with them, but the other part and the exciting part that goes with it is, you know, you, as a coach, you, you move around the country some. Um, there's really cool spots and, uh, you know, different areas and different things that you like. So um, it's, it's cool to, to move around. I'm certainly not likely to do that again for quite a while. Yeah, let's hope <laughs> but not. It, it ain't the, yeah, but the, uh, it is fun. And uh, there's, there's some energy that goes with that, too. And you get to meet new people and new experiences. And so um, it's one of the fun parts about the coaching profession, like, as the learning never stops, um, all these different people and relationships that you have through the years, um, you just build them stronger, you know, as you go. And so, um, yeah, a little bit of both. Did you have a favorite place that you've lived? No, I think there's favorite spots about a place as opposed to one, you know, different, you know, one specific location. But, uh, you know, early on in my career, I've been, you know, mostly on the East Coast, went out to San Francisco. It was my first NFL job. So, being out in the Bay Area and you know, being a part of that organization. So uh, different spots, man. I'm, you know, living in a college town at Florida or up in the Pacific Northwest of Seattle. So there's not one specific spot, Kev, that, uh, that nailed it over another. Just I think you get come to appreciate um, different experiences at different places, and, uh, and that's what we do. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like you had Gator Nation that you were involved in, the 12th man in Seattle, you know, Cowboy Nation, which unfortunately for, you know, teams in the NFC East like ours feels like the entire nation uh, at times. Um, hopefully you can get this place back to a point in which it's as oh, important as it used right. to be, you know? Yeah, yeah. 100%. That's what, like, uh, why this opportunity is what it is here, like this great fan base um, to make sure, like, that, you know, coming here, it's going to be really hard to compete against and uh, create a nightmare for teams. Uh, to come here and play. So, yeah, I agree with you. When you were putting together your pitch for the search committee for Josh, Adam, et cetera, for your interview, what was the most important thing for you to get across to them? I think, number one, I wanted to make sure they, you know, knew that over the you know time I left Atlanta and went to Dallas and uh, had a chance to really dig in um, to my space to say I recognized the things that went good and had success, but also wanted to make sure I learned from the adversity, too. And uh, knowing that as I was going into this, you know, next opportunity as a head coach, uh, I was much stronger uh, for that opportunity. And so that's why I, uh, I think, you know, the ability to connect and do those things that probably stood out. But I wanted to make sure they knew um, not only was uh, the lessons learned, they're ready to be applied and uh, make sure when we're going through it, we don't miss one step as we're going through this. Why does everybody like you so much? People that played for you, coached for you, they just gush over Dan Quinn. You're incredibly well-respected, well-liked. Why is that? Well, I appreciate you saying that one. I don't know if that's all the way true, but I would say I there's a lot of things I love about coaching and uh, the relationships um, with the players and the coaches and front office and personnel. Those are the things um, you know that you do. And so 
I just love being part of a team, man. So you get those experiences and you max it out together. That's what it's all about. So you have these really competitive moments that bring you together and you just get closer and tighter, Kev, because it's, it's not just a job. You know, when you're competing, you know, at the highest level, like there's a loyalty, there's a, you know, a difference that's not, that goes way past job. And that could be a brotherhood um, that will connect you forever. So I love that part of the game and uh, those relationships that come out of it. But at the end of it, I think uh, pushing one another to get better, that's probably one of the reasons, um, you know, that, that I've got a good connection because, you know, as a ball player, that's one of the things, you know, this, this guy can help get me better. And if you can do that, um, you know, then you can, you know, change some things around. But uh, more than anything, man, I, I just love those connections and relationships to do do it together. You know, I heard the passion in your voice during your press conference when you talked about these lifelong connections that you make in sports. And I was thinking, you know, people make these lifelong connections in normal office environments as well. But it's different, I think, in highly competitive environments, maybe even more so in highly competitive environments that are as physical as the one uh, that you uh, coach in and live in. Do you think that's right? That's the difference. And uh, you can think of a, a player, you know, hey, I played with this guy back in this team and we covered kicks and we played defense together. And this connection that you have with them going through it together, you know, a guy who's there playing hurt, battling for it, like those are really cool moments that you see what somebody's made of, like, they get pushed to the absolute limit. You know, we all do as, you know, coaches and players and personnel, everybody to say, can you put it all out there uh, and, you know, be willing to, to step all the way out to the edge. And that's not easy. And so for people outside the locker room, you know, watching it, it's one thing. But when you're in that environment, um, you do get closer and connected because it's all out there right on the edge together. And if you really stay you know, tight, those, that, that bond isn't changing. Not in three months, three years, or 30 years. Like, you can slip back into that conversation with that person knowing that, hey, man, we did it together, we fought through it together, and there's just a respect that comes from those moments that you never lose. Yeah, and it makes for great conversations and laughs and uh, over beers yeah. in the future, I'm sure, um, or in the off season. 100%. Yeah. Um, every, 100%. Everybody who has come here as a coach over the years – seemingly mentions that they talked to Joe Gibbs about this place. Did you? Uh, I did not going into this job. I actually um, got to visit with Joe um, maybe about you know 10 years ago or so before I took the Atlanta job. And the reason I had asked to go meet with him, I thought he had the most uniqueness, unique background of having success with different QBs. And I thought I really wanted to find out why. And so as a, defensive coach coming up uh, knowing I was going to take over the whole thing I wanted to talk specifically about quarterbacks with him to you know it went with uh, you know Joe and then into Doug and Griffin like all the way to go through it how did he do it with different guys I wanted to find out some of the things that were so important to him at the time and so that's why I had met with him then but uh, so I didn't need to meet with him again coming in because I already had a relationship you know with him through the years and uh, but it was certainly nice to get a call from him uh, after you know, I was already here. All right, uh, we heard from your two two coordinators yesterday, Kingsbury and and Joe Witt Jr. Tell me about the roster you're inheriting. I'm assuming at this point you've got a much better feel for what's here than maybe you did the day of your press conference. I want to start on defense. Who 
or what stands out to you? Well, I'd say as you're going through it, um, the first part was, you know, going through the, the coaching evaluation to not only adding groups, but I wanted to meet with every coach that was here too. Um, they had certainly perspective from inside the building. So some that, um, you know, we were able to, to hire a guy like Bobby Ingram, who's got, you know, perspective and unique insight onto things. Uh, so then transitioning into, you know, hiring coaches from other spots, you know, and getting to build that relationship. So that was job number one, Kev, to get to that space first. And that really took up a good bit of the time, honestly, leading in. So as you're, uh, as we're on this call today, that was what I was just hitting on now and evaluating, you know, the entire roster. And uh, certainly I've competed against uh, the team, you know, at, at another spot. But most importantly, taking our time to go through that because you want to make sure as you're leading into free agency and the draft, how do you maneuver those two things together to fill, you know, the best, most competitive roster that we can find. So I'm really on the, the early parts of that. Um, but getting back to the question, you know, defensively, you know, certainly a defensive tackle, um, you know, that's, that's the strength. And those two are, you know, tough to block in, in a lot of ways. And so this division really has good defensive linemen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Deron John are right there in, in the, you know, if you put them all together, you'd be hard-pressed to find uh, better interior players um, than, than groups that live here in our division. So um, they're right at the top of that, and I can't wait to coach them, both of them, honestly. And, uh, but after that, I'm going through everything, you know, trying to find from every single player unique things they have, how would we feature them, what could they do, and that's what the coaches are doing now. We call them profile takes on every single player, find all the unique things they have, how would we feature them, what could we do, and, uh, including into somebody who's a backup to go, a special teams player. Um, talk about Revo, what a good competitor he is, and unique things that players have. That's, that's the thing. Yeah, that's how you got to do it and put the whole thing together. But too early for me to um, give you a, a big overview other than uh, I'm still in, into that space and, and will be for, for the next two weeks. Yeah, I thought one of the themes from your press conference was just the play type or player type that you were looking for, highly competitive, finisher, you know, some of the words that you used. And um, I was curious as to whether or not, you know, certain players had those traits that just stood out to you. Look, you coached against this offense twice in the last three months on Thanksgiving and then in the season finale. How did you evaluate the team's offense? What were the keys to playing well against it? You know, I think there's explosive players, and that's what can make it challenging as a defense to say, okay, they, they, there's some real weapons here. And how do the matchups, who do you go to find onto those? So those are the things, you know, obviously we talk about, you know, from the receiving side and the running back side of explosive players. So, how do you get those guys the ball and, you know, whether it's catch and run plays or, you know, shots down the field, you know, or running back that um, if they're going to play a light box, this guy is going to be somebody that can really do some damage. So I think knowing you have players that are capable of explosive plays of, you know, taking it to the house, you know, on any moment, that's what's dangerous, um, you know, to a defense. If you, you make a mistake, you lose the leverage, you know, they can make you pay. And so that's really what you're always looking for. For an identity, you want to have explosiveness and you want to be physical. And uh, there's certainly on both sides of the ball, you know, traits of that um, in a lot of spots. But that's what you keep looking for is it demonstrated on tape. And I think for all of us, you know, you go into the combine and okay, a guy may have a good speed on a 40 or what have you. And I always go back to is it demonstrated? Do you see it on tape? And uh, that's the good part, Kev, but when you go back to it, 
just put it on and let's watch the tape, see what the film says, because that's really who you are, you know, as a ball player and as a coach. So you want to make sure can you get it on and put it on tape and, and show it. And that's, to me, the demonstrated toughness, physicality, explosive playmaking. That's what you're looking for. And some of those uh, positions that I just spoke about uh, certainly have uh, those capabilities in, in a very strong way. All right. A big opportunity as we talk to the head coach, Dan Quinn, is – you know, and you said it's not just about one year, but this is unique. They've the team has as much cap space as anybody in the league. It's got lots of draft choices in the first three rounds, including number two overall. What does that opportunity here in year one, with all of the cap space, with all of the draft choices, and specifically number two overall, mean to this franchise right now? I think anytime you're, uh, you know having some changes along a roster and adding, you know, to a team and whether that's, you know, this year or next year, there's always, you know, no roster stays exactly the same. And so I think what it provides and why it's so important, Kevin, is like this time of year and why we all get so excited because all of us here, the players, the coaches, the scouts, personnel people, we really have a chance to, you know, to help, you know, shape the history of franchises. And so that's what's fun about the off season to have those specific players, you know, add to your team. And when you can really nail it, you know, those are the moments that, that change it. And so sometimes it's with the draft pick, sometimes it's with a free agent, but you've seen that to know that like, that's why there is excitement because, okay, some of these players will help change uh, how we'll get it on. And uh, you can really shape that um, through this part. So that's why it's so damn important over and over to, you know, why you work so hard and long hours to scout it because, You've got to get that right. And uh, when you do, um, there's real benefits. And you get to, you know, have the, the big postseason moments to go for it. And uh, that's why we do it. Uh, not just to compete and play. We're here to we're here to win. Make sure you fight your ass off to do it. Two more because I know you've got to run. Uh, quarterback so important in this league. Uh, you're not going to sit here and tell me, you know, what your board looks like or what you feel uh, your gut is. But at the very least, have you all identified quarterback as a need? As we're going through it, like, it's like I said, we're still in the whole part of the roster. We really are to make sure, like, every single spot. So I think that's the position that you're looking at every year. And quite honestly, you have to because those are also, if they're not on your team, those are, you know, somebody that you're playing against, Kevin. So you're always looking at that position. It just takes more time to evaluate that spot, you know, and uh, it takes longer and it takes more time and it's worth it because they have the biggest impact on the game. But without digging deep into the tape, you've got thoughts on this. You had to have some thoughts on this before taking the gig here. Um, I'm just curious as to whether or not you, you know, believe that there is a need and whether or not it can be addressed in the draft. I certainly have, um, you know, competed against the team and haven't since but as far as tying it all together i can't say that without knowing you know the rest of the league and the draft and free agency and so um you know i wouldn't i wouldn't put myself one thing in front of another until i get all the information when you make big decisions man take it all all right last one you didn't use the word rebuild the other day it was recalibrate can you win quickly i think that's what uh, finding all these small margins is about right to find an edge here an edge there and you know what's little small margin that you can do and then collectively Kevin what happens is you get better over here and here and here so the the tighter this team gets that's when we'll win the fastest and uh we'll work hard to do that the best connected teams who are really ready to compete and sharpen one another that's when we'll get there and so 
the faster we can do that, the better we'll play. Dan, thanks. Really appreciate the time. Wishing you the best. Take care. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Have a good one, man. That was uh, the conversation and interview with Dan Quinn from earlier in the show. Thanks to him for giving us some time today. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to Ben for jumping on. Uh, Enjoy the snow. Enjoy the weekend. Some good college hoops this weekend. NBA All-Star Game. How much did we do on the show today about the NBA All-Star Game? Not much. Um, Didn't have time for it. I have not watched All-Star Weekend in like three years. Uh, Chris is up next. Doc is in for Craig Hoffman later on this afternoon. So tune in for that. Back on Monday. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.